Welcome, beautiful people. I'm your host, Lenny Harold, and you are now listening to Cosmic Radio. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? How y'all doing? So today, oh my gosh, I got my bestie. I got my bestie on the podcast. Y'all understand me? I got my bestie on the podcast. My brother from another. This man is something vicious. He is a producer, singer, songwriter, vocal producer, uh, counselor. He is a graphic artist. He is a video editor. (laughs) Um, He is a a writer. what else did I did I miss anything? He is he is a friend and a son. Yeah, a brother. <laughs> he, he's a godfather. I am. He, he's a brother. Um, and I twerk on the weekend. And you twerk? Okay, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, I'm really, really, really excited to have this interview and just this dialogue with one of my besties. If anybody does not know, Anat has a new project called The Love Experiment, which is talking about his encounter with a particular relationship and how he was actually like, this was all journal entry. Tell us about that. It was real time songwriting is what I've been calling it. Because as situations would happen, I would just go home and write a song. Yeah. So the, it was like living it and then reliving it when I would write the song. So this was the first time I've ever done anything like that. How does that affect the the relationship as you're going through it, though? So (laughs) the 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 first song that I wrote, I messed up and showed it to him. Okay. And he liked the song, but I think it made things weird. Really? Because number one, no one had ever written a song about him before. Gotcha. And I've never shown. Well, no, I have shown people songs that I've written about them. Yeah. But not while we're in the midst of a relationship. Right, right, right. So it was a little nerve-wracking, and I, and I probably should not have shown the song. But... Um, Did that change the dynamic, do you feel? I think the dynamics were already up and down Okay. to begin with, so it didn't hurt or help, I think. Gotcha. I think it's just it just added to the weirdness. Got you. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of things that I already know. We are already deep in this thing. Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. I told you we're getting right to it. Listen, I listen to a lot of podcasts and sometimes they take too long to get to the point. Amen. We're not going to do that here. Okay? okay. 30 minutes in, like, what is the topic? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So everybody's been getting a really, really great response from this project. The project is absolutely beautiful. Thank you. Um, it's vulnerable. It is honest. It's real. What did you learn from this whole process? From this process, I learned that I am worthy of being loved. All right. But I also learned that when I speak from my heart, it's way more effective than writing from the outside looking in. Gotcha. Um, for my own stuff. I can write songs for anybody else with no right. problem based on stories they've told me, based on stories I've heard or just making something up out of thin air. But I know that, and, I, and I, I've always known this, but it didn't really hit me until this project that my listeners, they love when I talk about realness from my own personal experiences. 
Interesting. And this is probably the most real that I've ever been. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Even more so than Kwame. Kwame was a different type of, um, there was a different agenda with Kwame because Kwame was about me understanding my own personal relationship with my sexuality, mm-hmm. my history with assault, mm-hmm. and my purpose of bringing that stuff up was not to save me because I've already conquered gotcha. those issues. It was to save other people that were dealing with the issues that I had dealt with, whether it be suicidal thoughts, uh, depression, um, dealing with the, the ramifications of assault mm-hmm. and how it was affecting their present day lives or hiding their sexuality because they still hadn't embraced who they were. So I wrote that album for them to live vicariously. Gotcha. With this project, uh, Love Experiment, I was literally writing from my real-time experience. Gotcha, gotcha. So gotcha. This, one, this one was about me. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they both were about they, you. They both were, but, but, but this, this one was one, for me, I'll say. Yeah, yeah. This one was for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so when we get into the vulnerability aspect mm-hmm. of men in R&B, like, there's been a lot of talk about Tank's particular podcast and, you know, he is now the quote unquote authority on R&B. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, what was this experience like of you really being real with your listeners and with yourself and actually revealing all of the insides of what was happening at on real time? And do you think that that's something that we need more of in let's say R&B? You know, I'm I'm adopting the stance that I'm going to probably stop telling people what to do with their music. Mm. Because there is something for everybody. Yeah. And I believe that true art comes from when a person is not trying to cater to an audience. Yeah. And they're just expressing their truth. Yeah. For me, writing this album was less about what I wanted the listeners to get Mm -hmm. and more about me working out my feelings about the relationship that I was in. And the only person I was actually worried about was the person that I was in the relationship with. And closer to the album coming out, I started to get really, really nervous and really nerve wracked about what they were going to think. And, you know, am I over it? Am Mm -hmm. I done? Am I still going to have to live this after it comes out? But it wasn't until it came out that I was finally like, I could breathe. Wow. And I was like, okay. And, and and at that point, I was like, oh, so now maybe I am kind of worried about what people are going to think. Got you. But it wasn't a case of feeling like I did something wrong or that I was exposing something. I think I finally like got my art out my way. Interesting. And that kind of took precedence over what anybody else thought or what anybody else was feeling. And even over what that person was thinking. Because mm. um, I was still respectful about it. And I was still, you know, making sure that I was... Um, careful about my wording. Yeah. But I also needed to tell my side of the story. Yeah. And they confirmed its accuracy, so I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's funny that you say honest, because you want to know what, like, I just, I was on Twitter. Was I on Twitter or was I on Instagram? I don't know which one it was. But Rodney had, it was a, I don't know if, I don't know if it came from his post, Mm -hmm. but um, it was something that he had said about SZA. Have you seen this before? The I, statement? I, I think I saw, but I didn't read the whole thing, but I did see that there was something. Okay. And, and I think yeah. it was, I don't know if he was being interviewed or something, but it was just this particular quote mm-hmm. of him saying how he worked with SZA and how she has the superstar um, um, 
like what well, I should say, like the it factor, I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. but he was saying it's, it's her fearlessness in her writing mm-hmm. that makes her who she is as an artist. Um, and when I read that, you know, we read that you approached me with that statement that, um, that, uh, Azalea Banks had said in whatever movie it was. And mm-hmm. I had had that put up as a, quote, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. um, yeah. you know, if it doesn't scare you, it's, it's not real. Yes. Yeah. Then it's not real. And so you saying what you said and, and, and how you said it, it reminded me of that because when we are thinking about true artistry, it is fearless. We shouldn't be thinking about anybody else's feelings, but our own mm-hmm. and what we're trying to convey and what we're trying to get out. Because the moment that we do is the moment that it becomes watered down. See, I think the fearless, fearlessness happens after. Okay. I think when you are getting into that vulnerable place of, writing your exact thoughts and writing your exact feelings that's the time at least for me that okay. i was afraid okay and it, like i said before like when the album came out i stopped being afraid of it gotcha and all the, the fearlessness it looks that way to whoever's listening to it because they're like oh you you wrote a crazy ass song like this was really really dope yeah and you know it, it was it's dope that you're exposing this truth and i'm like okay yeah but you should have joined me when I was writing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you yeah. probably would have thought that it was either crazy, I was either crazy, right? Or, or like, how could I expose this part of myself? Yeah, yeah. Um, you would have felt the nervousness from me in the creationary process because you're only as a as a listener getting to see the end result of that. Yeah, you know. So the fearlessness doesn't come in until after the fact. I think what most people don't understand, um, especially for artists like a SZA or a Frank Ocean or anybody who really writes from that that deep personal vulnerable mm-hmm, place mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that goes on in that before, process yeah before you even get wor- uh, words to pa- to the paper exactly yeah yeah and then when you when you do finally get to writing it down you've got a number one articulate it right you've yeah. got to think about how it's going to sound yeah. you've got to make sure that it makes sense yeah and then you got to take that whole entire baby that you created and then offer it to the world to yeah. now judge critique enjoy or dislike yeah and you know, that's where all the fear kind of encapsulates itself. I don't, I don't know if anybody should write from a fearless place. Mm. I think to me, if, like you said, if, if you're not afraid of it, it's not real. Yeah, so yeah. if you're writing from a fearless place and that, to me, that means you've got it all together. And I don't mm. think anybody has it all together. Because I know when I go in and, and, and I begin writing, it's such a process. What I have learned now, because a lot of times I will always write the surface of my feelings. And then I'm like, this is not it, Mm -hmm. you know? And then I have to dig down deep. And so now my process has turned into write down all my thoughts about what I'm trying to write about, like literally write down it all and then go through it and see if there's anything in there that can turn into this song that I'm trying to read to, to, you know, share Mm -hmm. if that's something that I need to share, you know? Um, which goes to my next question. Okay. 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 You released this. Mm-hmm. This was something that was personal. Why did you feel the need to share it? Being that it was such a real life experience. Why was that important? You know, this is going to sound crazy and I'm going to, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest. Yeah. Come on, be real. I, I released it because I thought in some way, that putting all of my feelings on a record and then releasing it would have made that person want to stay with me. Gotcha. And that's real, the exact though. opposite happened. And I'm not mad at it. 
Dope. Like, Dope. I, I literally was writing songs thinking that I was just spilling my feelings, but also feeling like, okay, well, maybe if they hear this song, then, you know, it might change their mind. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it didn't. So wow. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Wow. Yeah. But now I'm at the point where I'm like, all right, like, that's cool. Yeah. I was able to get my feelings out my yeah. way without distraction, without any, you know, any hindrance and any outside influence. Yeah, yeah. Like from them or anybody else. Yeah. And for me, I feel like this is my most most authentic project yeah. that I've worked on yeah. because there was no outside influence. Like I only had one other producer on the project. Right. So, and it just happened to seamlessly fall right into the rest of the project. But for the most part, like this was just me. So yeah. that's brave. That's brave. Number mm-hmm. one, to, to put that out. I don't know if anybody as a man would be that honest, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, but it's real. You, you do have hopes, especially with something as a relationship and somebody that you've, you know, you've connected with that you've built with a little bit and that, you know, you think that something is there and, and certain, and then suddenly things just go wrong. And then, you know, you put out this body of work and, and you do have hopes. You do have hopes that maybe they can see you different. Maybe mm-hmm. they can, you know, relive those experiences that you've already had and maybe reevaluate those experiences and then reevaluate themselves to say, maybe I fucked up. Mm-hmm. Maybe I wasn't right. Or maybe I could have did this a little better. Or you know, let me call so-and-so and have this conversation, yeah. you know? Um, and it's interesting that you're okay. It's actually beautiful that you're okay, even though it didn't work out. The hope yeah. didn't happen mm-hmm. the way that you wanted it to. Right. And you became, you know, I guess better for it, right? I think so. I, I would like to believe so. I know that um, I still have residue. Okay. Of the relationship. I know that I still have my thoughts about dating in general. Yeah. Um, as far as me, I know that there's things that I have to work on, but I know I did everything right. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's, that's in this particular relationship. I did the right things. That's so, satisfaction right there. Yeah. That's satisfaction. And so I'm guessing that's what you learned from this experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I can go through it and still be okay. Even if it doesn't work out the way that I expected it to. And, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know a lot of writers will, usually write from a past tense yeah. where it's like, okay, this happened to me a long time ago. So, right. you know, I'm good now. I don't know too many people that write their current situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I say current, I realized today that my first, the first one that I wrote for this project was back in June of this year mm. and it's only October. So yeah. this is still fresh. I mean, yeah. the relationship had started last year, but the yeah. first song got written earlier this year and it's like, okay, this is still fresh, but I'm able to look at it now and look at it as a story Yeah, that I'm no longer living. I've lived it. It's past. It's done. I'm good. Dope. Ready to move on to the next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you think we need more of this particular vulnerability in R&B? You know, it's funny. Um, Charlie Puth just released his um, album today. Okay. And oh, I didn't listen to it. It's called Charlie. And... I know he's a very polarizing artist because he's yeah, a pop yeah. artist, but he yeah. has a lot of R&B sensibility. Yeah. Didn't realize that his album was so similar to mine mm. as far as the subject matter. Mm. Most of the songs are about him being disappointed by some girl that he was interested in or dating or whatever. 
hardly any love songs on the project. And it actually ends with a song talking about how he feels like he's so much better off without her. Wow. Which nobody does. Wow. <laughs> like, so, you know, I think that there is a, there's, there's an, a door of opportunity for that. And I, I would love to see more of that. Mm -hmm. But again, I don't want to tell anybody what they should do. I think that it should come organically to them. Yeah. Um, but from a black male perspective, yes. Yeah. Because we are conditioned to be so rigid in our emotions, to hold back things and not tell our full truth and always trying to be so cool. Yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing, like I noticed with this project, like I'm not being cool. Yeah. And I didn't want to be cool. I wanted yeah. to be real. Um, and I wanted, I, I would love for people to just be real. I would yeah. love to see more artists like that. And they don't have to be gay. It could be straight. Yeah. They can yeah, be whatever. Yeah. yeah. And just be truthful in their emotions. I mean, R&B is supposed to be about emotions anyway. So I don't know why people like to hide behind the facade of coolness for some acceptance because I'm learning just with this project that people like realness. Yeah. yeah. All people like realness. Yeah. So it shouldn't be something that's so foreign to other artists. Like it should be something that's in their wheelhouse. There's times where sometimes you do want to be more rigid in your emotions or you want to be cool or you want to just do a dance record or something mindless. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But there are times when people need to hear the truth because it does exist. Yeah. You know? Yeah. People need something to connect with. Yeah. And when you're constantly being cool now, now the world and society and your listeners think that this is how they have to act or mm -hmm. this is how they have to be. And then they don't find that common, you know, that common thread to actually truly connect them yeah. to the artists that they love so much. It's about relatability. Yeah. Because a lot of that coolness, <laughs> someone was talking to me the other day, <laughs> I'm laughing because of who it is. You know who it is. Um, <laughs> but it was so interesting what they said to me. They said, I look at you like one of the cool kids. Mm. And I was like, me? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, well, I look at you like that because you're the world traveler. You're going all over mm -hmm, the place and mm -hmm. you're always with these celebrities and stuff. And I'm looking at you like you're the cool. He's like, no, 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 because you carry yourself, even though you don't necessarily identify as that or you don't call yourself one of those people, the way that you carry yourself has a certain confidence that the cool kids have. Yeah. And I was looking at that like, okay, so I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Cool. Cool gets gets a bad rap. Like the way the industry has packaged coolness mm -hmm. is this like you have to dress a certain way, you have to be assholeic, you gotta be this rock star mentality. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Quote unquote, this rock rock star mentality. But honestly, coolness actually comes from like confidence and it comes from you just being honest with yourself and mm -hmm. being just real and being yeah. authentic to who you are. And I think that at the end of the day, I think that that's one of the reasons why people love, like whenever I think of coolness, I automatically think of Rihanna for some reason. And, but with her, it's not like she's trying to be cool. It's just like- That's just who she is. Yeah, she don't give a fuck. And, yeah. and everybody wants to get to that point at some point in life. But in order to get to that point, you have to know who you are. Yes. And you have to embrace that. Yes. And not give a fuck what anybody else thinks. And you have to take the steps to actually get to who, to know who you are. And before you get there, like, don't call yourself that if you're not really there yet. Yeah. Because it's a process. Like, that's why, like, when he said, like, he thinks that I'm one of the cool kids, I don't see myself as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean that I'm not. It just means that I still have to get my mind to a place of saying, oh, yes, you're 100% confident in who you are. And you can identify as that. Yeah, yeah. And people will see that from you and they'll acknowledge that in you. Someone like Rihanna, like, she's been like that since day one, just yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. And I know that tons of people, especially tons of artists, 
have tried to be that way and it's very hard for them to do so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and sorry yeah <laughs> you yeah. know but i also feel like you don't have to be rihanna's version of cool be your version, version of, cool. of cool yeah you know yeah. and i think that's where most people get it twisted like there's a difference between being cool and being cocky yeah and i'm seeing a lot of cocky when it comes to male r&b we don't have too many where it's just cool like we get like a john legend mm-hmm. we get you know a frank ocean yeah um but there's a lot of cockiness and it's it's a turnoff because mm-hmm. that cockiness to me is like it's either a wall or it's 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 a facade yeah it's a facade that's hiding the true vulnerability of a person and i think you know being artists we're able to paint whatever we want with with our brushes mm-hmm. so why not just do that yeah you know instead of going on paint on microsoft and painting by numbers listen listen <laughs> listen listen and nothing on yeah. paint from microsoft looks good nothing. i don't know like nothing if they've all. updated but it doesn't even exist anymore okay yeah. please get photoshop okay yeah. <laughs> but it's it's you bring on a very tough subject and do you think that i know everybody always goes back to reverting back to 90s feels and 90s vibes and 90s music to either to kind of dictate where R&B is headed. Mm-hmm. They use that as the benchmark. Yeah. When honestly it actually goes even before that. You know, there was a statement, I can't remember who exactly said this, but they were like R&B didn't die, it just changed. Mm-hmm. And it might have been you actually. I think, I think, I think yeah, that. I think you said that in a recent <laughs> podcast. Um but that's it's honest and But why do we, what was the feeling that was in 90s music that we always fall so heavy onto? I think 90s music did not have the same level of depression that a lot of current R&B has. Mm. And I think um, the 90s kind of was like our last happy years when it came to R&B. because right after that happened, we lost a lot of people. We lost, we had 9-11 happen. We lost Left Eye. We lost Aaliyah. Yeah. We lost, um, several different people had passed. And then the music kind of got covered up by all the tragedy. And so after that, it took a very mm-hmm. dark turn. And I think there are some entities that took advantage of that. Yeah. You know, that changed what the trajectory of R&B was going to be. And some people got stuck in that and they couldn't come out of it. And so now it's like the residue of that depression, it's it's in everything that we hear now. Um, and a lot of what's going on in the world contributes to that as well. Like most recently, of course, with the pandemic and everything. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, a lot of people are very introspective. So a lot of stuff does seem sad and depressing. But I also feel like, you know, with the 90s, everybody was dancing. Everybody yeah. was having fun. And even the sad songs were happy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. You know, we, we had this confidence we had this optimism is the real word that i'm looking for Mm -hmm. we had an optimism that was instilled in us probably from the 60s and 70s because you know they were going through uh you know protesting and protesting wars and protesting racism and segregation and all that kind of stuff so the music was empowering it was uplifting and it felt like we had achieved something so by the time the 90s came around everybody was happy yeah but then tragedy hits yeah. and it brought us back down. So, you know, I think 
that's probably why everybody falls heavily on it. But I think the problem now is the younger generation will hear the surface of the inspiration of the 90s and not know what brought us to that point and then what changed for us. Gotcha. And so they might look to that as the benchmark without understanding what it really took to get there. Yeah, yeah. And how far we've come from that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And that takes actually listening to a lot of artists from that era. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just listen to your favorites. Like you mm-hmm. can't just collect Aaliyah records and think that that was just the gist of the nineties. Cause right. it was, it was so much more. You had and Joe, you, to, you, you had, to to everything. You, you had 702, you had, you had, there was a lot of other fields. Mm-hmm. You had 112, you had, you had all of these different fields that were out there at that, at that moment. You had Neo Soul. You had Neo Soul that was, like, that was pushing hard. Bill Scott, yeah, you had Music Soul, Music Child, Soul right? Child, Glenn Lewis, mm-hmm. like, you wow. know, you had these vibes. And, um, and I think that that's what this generation kind of misses when they do collect that inspiration from that era. Um, and some of them, some of them do like you got your Jay Versace's who is definitely a proponent of, you know, that, that era and pushes for that. Um, but I just think that it needs to be acknowledged that you know, when everybody keeps saying the R&B is dead, it's not. It's, it's not. still been there. It's yeah. just been through some things. Yeah. It doesn't look like what it used to. And yeah. it shouldn't look like yeah. what it used to. Yeah. But let's not forget what it was. Yeah. And being so hungry for changing it for the future. Yeah. Just to make it something lucrative. Like, right. no, it's R&B is less of a genre and more of a feeling. And that's right. what I think people need to get back to. Right. You know what? I also, I also recently kind of caught myself saying, you know, I, you know, we have these conversations all the time. R&B being, you know, a lack of substance and, you know, everything is about sex and drinking and blah, 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 blah. But that's the commercial side of it. Mm -hmm. These, the lower tier, your B tier, your C tier and your D tier are not just talking about that. Right. So there is substance that's out there. And I, and I know that that's the point where everybody goes, you have to go out and you have to, you have to search for these acts. You mm-hmm. have to search for these artists because they do exist. Mm-hmm. You know, the substance is there. Um, but what embodies substance? Like I said earlier, mm-hmm. I'm going to start working more towards not telling people what to do with their music. Mm. But I also know, and we know this from uh, Jill Scott's quote about like, if it makes you feel something, like yeah, yeah. anything can be soul music. Yeah. And so for me, substance could be a lot of stuff. Like Beyonce just came out with a whole dance album. Mm-hmm. And on first listen, it feels mindless. Mm-hmm. After listening to it 135 times, <laughs> <laughs> you, get, you get the substance of it. And I, and, and, and the substance, without her having to even say too much about it, because she's only done like a couple of paragraphs of yeah, yeah, commentary, yeah. but like the substance of that album was, we've been in this depressing place. We need to make you dance. Mm-hmm. We need to make you feel mm-hmm. lighter. We need to make you happier. And, make and you to, feel confident. Yeah, and yeah. to make you think that anything is possible again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so to me, that can be substance. Substance can be, you know... Um, Meg the Stallion. Mm-hmm. Substance can be Cardi. Mm-hmm. Like the Tomorrow 2 record with Glorilla. Like, yeah, she's talking a lot of shit, but that chorus is talking about how she's still looking at Tomorrow as another opportunity yeah, yeah. to live life. Yeah. And I think people have gravitated towards that so much because everybody's looking for that that yeah. other opportunity. Yeah. You know? Um, 
I can go on and on about the things that the things that lack substance and I can name those people, but I'm not going to, <laughs> right. but, but I think that's what substance really is, is like, what is your agenda? What is your motivation for the music that you're about to put out into the world? Yeah. What is, what is the point of that? And if that point is something that's greater than you, then to me, that substance. Gotcha. And I think that's where the responsibility of music comes into play. Because if you do hold yourself responsible for the things that you write and the things you, that you sing, you're going to make sure that that is going to come back to you. Yeah. You know, yeah. the karma is going to be good from that. So right. I think that's, that's the definition of substance to me. It's beyond being able to sing the right notes. Cause you know me, yeah, 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 um, yeah. it's beyond writing, you know, <laughs> introspective songs. That's dope. Because if, if y'all don't know, nah, oh, no. I still require, <laughs> I still require the right notes. I'm just saying that substance doesn't have to equal the right notes. Right, right, right. Because, and it always doesn't have to be, you know, some political justice song. It doesn't right, always right. have to be, right. you know, like women's empowerment, like a Lizzo. Right. It doesn't always have to be, you know, black men get your stuff together. It right, doesn't have right. to be that. Because, you know, there are moments for that. Yeah. But sometimes I want to shake my ass. Yeah. And that can be substance as well. Yeah, it can be. You know? It can be. I feel like anything that is that is substance is something that just comes from your heart mm -hmm. that makes you feel something that makes you feel bigger than who you are, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just, and it's just that. And I think, um, I think society and just everybody's unwanted opinions has a, has a design and a structure to just kind of manipulate our thoughts mm -hmm. to, to start falling into the sheep mentality sometimes when, um, when these certain statements are said and you look at it from a surface and you go, oh yeah. But then when you actually sit there and go and you, you, you think you break it down and you're like, oh wait, there actually is some, there's some other things that are out here mm -hmm. and it's not just this, yeah. you know? So. Substance definitely has to come from the heart. And that's why I'm like, it can be anything. Like if it's in your heart to write a, a, a trap song that talks about repping for your city, yeah. That's what you do. Yeah. If it's in your heart to talk about fucking, that's your substance. Yeah. And there's an audience for that. Yeah. I might not be that audience. Right, right, right. But, you know, there's a, there's an audience for it. And if those people relate with you, then great. Yeah. My only plea would be for the masses to get back to knowing when to understand that this is for a moment, understand yeah. that this is for a time, this is for a certain emotion. And not to necessarily go back to having to live vicariously through these artists yeah. or having to know every single step of their lives yeah. in order to guide your own. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. music is there for it to, honestly, it's supposed to be there to edify you and to encourage you, mm -hmm. to to uplift your moods. Sometimes you do want to listen to it when you're sad, but it's not supposed to direct your life. And I think that's where people get it twisted. Yeah. Like, it's not supposed to make choices for you. Yeah, you hear that, you 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 crazy stands out there to some of these artists, because some of y'all be going ham. Like, it's a little ridiculous what y'all be doing. Like, the whole toxic thing, like being toxic, yeah. that was never supposed to be a thing that people should live by. Yeah. And the industry and, and other, you know, entities have made it cool to be toxic individuals or yeah. to be toxic in your relationships. Yeah. And even with my, my, my relationship in this project, like, that other person kind of wanted to have a toxic experience. Yeah. But I don't know anything about living like that because yeah. I'm not a toxic person. So yeah. why would you look at how the world and the media and other artists are encouraging toxicity 
and then think that I want to be a part of and that. And then fall into suit. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like that's yeah. not how you're supposed to listen to that song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. You weren't supposed to listen to that and say, oh, okay, now I'm going to be toxic to that. Right, right, like, right. Nobody, that's not what that was for. <laughs> right. That was a story. Yeah, yeah. A fictional story, possibly. Yeah. And and you're supposed to either enjoy it and move on yeah. or don't enjoy it and move on. You yeah. know, but to live your life by it, it's yeah. it's crazy now. Yeah, I I think, but that that also kind of goes back into just like that night those '90s feels like mm -hmm. because of the absence of the love song, people forget how to love, and they are, you know, they think love comes with injury. Yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah, there are hurts that do come with love, but there's also there's grace and there's compassion and there's there's all these different things mm -hmm. that come with it, and there's endurance. You know what I mean? That comes with love, but we don't have that as an example anymore. It's it's the concept of unconditional love that I think people have forgotten. Yeah. I think that, like you said, love does come with all those different things, but if it's unconditional, all those other things, things. should not be deal breakers. Yep. All yep. those other, other things should not stop you from being able to love. Yeah. They come with it, but it doesn't change the love that you have for somebody. Yes. And I think that's where people have gotten it messed up where it's like, Oh no, you can't pay my bills, I can't love you. Yeah. Or you don't got no job, I can't love you. Yeah. Or you're not fucking me down, I can't love you. Yeah. Like what yeah. is this? Yeah. And what and then what are you left with after that? Like yeah. how does that make you happy at the end of the day? Like, and who defined love for you that way that you think that everybody else is supposed to be that way? Exactly. Yeah. Come on. Come you know? on. And I get that people get hurt and they have experiences, yeah. but they don't have to define you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. it, it takes a lot of maturity to get to that point to understand that about yourself. But again, if you're basing your life off of what somebody says in a song, yeah, you're already doing it wrong. Yeah. So now, do you think that that that's a mentality that comes from too much awareness? Because we are in this in this time right now where you know, yes, it is cool to be vulnerable. It mm -hmm. is cool to expose what your feelings are. It's cool to. Um, I don't know, show that you're depressed and that you're hurt. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it's the end thing to do. Mm -hmm. But do do you think that too much of that also contributes? No, um, no, no. And and I'll say something that I think I told you before. Self-help should never be at the detriment of someone else. Mm. And so yeah. when you're out here and you're exposing your truth and you're going to seek mental health and all that kind of stuff, it should not be at the cost of someone else's mental health. Yeah. You know, I hear people talk about, oh, I'm just going to do me. I'm going to do me. And that's fine. But what happens when what you're doing, when, when you're doing yeah. you Sorry. affects me? Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. and, and then they're like, well, that's on you. Yes, it is. But I don't have to allow you to do that. Yeah. And don't do that to me. And then it's still me expect me to be in your life. Yes. And still expect me to cater to you because yeah. that's not how this works. Yeah. You know, and I think I'm happy that people are becoming aware but the Bible says that in all things, get knowledge mm -hmm. <laughs> and you can be aware and still have no understanding. Yeah. Oh. So I Come think on now. It's, a, it's a two pronged thing where you have to be aware and then also know what to do with that awareness because just shouting from the rooftop that you know who you are is great, but what you going to do with that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, how you going to act? How are you going to act? Like how you going to help somebody? How are you going to interact with the people yep. that, that are around you? How you going to affect the people that are around you too as well? Because whoever you've discovered yourself to be may not be the person that people want to be around. Exactly. Exactly. And you're going to have to figure out how to live that life without them mm -hmm. <laughs> and possibly with additional people not liking who you have become. <laughs> 
So and then it becomes a whole new level that yeah. you gotta now understand if you decide to take that road. Yep. Awareness plus understanding. Yeah. That's key. Yeah, that's that is that's key. That's key. I should be writing this down. Yeah, you should be. And I feel like, you know, that's gonna be the quote from this one. Yeah. Awareness but plus understanding. Yeah, because that's it's it's heavy. It's heavy. And just to tie this back into the love experiment, mm. you know what I mean? That awareness of everything that you were going through and the understanding of everything that you received from it. You know what I mean? Who are you now because of that? I'm still me. Yeah. Because my awareness was there before the relationship. Yeah, this is this is fact. And my understanding was there before the relationship. I did question whether I was doing something wrong or I, and I questioned if it was me mm-hmm. and all signs pointed to no. Yeah. And once I embraced that, you know, I was able to work through it a lot better. Um, the song, what you get yeah, pretty much explains all of that. Like yeah. I knew who I was before you, I'm still going to be who this, per- who I was, you know, after this person yeah. and that's it. Yeah. And if you don't like it, then don't mess with me. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be fine. Yeah. And I even told them that on the phone, which is how the song came about. Well, actually, no, I wrote the song first and then somehow prophetically <laughs> created that conversation. But I was like, you know, I was good before you yeah. and I'm going to be good yeah. after you. Like yeah. if you break up with me and, and like, say we do try this and it, and it works out and then all of a sudden you break up with me or you cheat on me or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm still going to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. You and your relationship is not going to kill me. Right. And I think maybe that's the problem that a lot of people do have is that they want to be able to say, oh, yeah, I broke him down or I I, I made him, you know, doubt himself as a man or, you know, I, I was toxic. So now he's a punk. Like you get joy out of that. Yeah. And why, <laughs> and, then, and then why is that a thing? Because it's cool to be toxic. It's, so you have a story. Because it's it's like it's like, yes, like, yes, I've had my toxic moments. But I've had my toxic moments. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I've I've understood not a toxic who, lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I've understood who I was in that moment and understand that, okay, look, that's not who I choose to be. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to change that behavior and I'm gonna learn from that. And I'm gonna go back to those people and just be like, look, I know that that was shitty of me. That was really fucked up and I should not have behaved in that. And mm-hmm. I wasn't paying attention to what you were feeling. You know what I mean? And I'm and I'm choosing now to take a higher road, a different path, because that's not who I like who I want to be and that's not what the energy I want to give out here and I don't understand why we are why why we why we're pushing this this narrative onto people because in our awareness and lack of understanding it's very self-serving because all we want to do is be aware make others aware and then force them to deal with our awareness of who we are. Yeah, that's not cute. It's not. Because because <laughs> what you wind up doing is you don't open yourself up to the possibility of change or growth. No, you don't at all. And you're forcing people to, yes, meet you where you are. And to but cater. Then, and, and cater. And then be subject to your toxicity. Yeah. You know? And, and then label it cool. as okay after that. Because, because I'm working on my mental health. Yeah. <laughs> And 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 honestly, like, Woo! I'm gonna say something. That's yep, go there, go I'm, there. I'm gonna say something that's go there. It's all right. It's all right because, because I felt it rise up. Because I'm about to say some shit. The whole mental health situation, I think that discussing it mm-hmm. is wonderful. Yes, using it as a crutch has been the worst thing for our society. Yes, it has. Yes, it. Has. I fully agree. I 
was bullied in school when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I fought my bullies. Okay. I didn't win those fights, but I fought. Okay. And I know what they used to say about me. Mm-hmm. I know what people still say about me. Yeah. I'm not dead. Yeah. I haven't changed who I am. It yeah. has not affected me in a way where I can't function as a, a human being. Yeah. And so, you know, when, when I would start seeing reports about, you know, kids in elementary school killing themselves because of a bully. Yeah. I'm like, what have we done to allow our children to feel like there's no other option? Yeah. What kind of parenting are we doing to yeah. allow those thoughts to fester that way? And so it can show up in suicide. It can show up in buying a whole bunch of guns and going to shoot up a school. Yeah. It can it can show up in promiscuity. Mm-hmm. It can show up in toxicity. Mm-hmm. Like it shows up in these ways because there's been no other option. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that therapy is not an option. It's definitely always been an option. Yeah. But there were also other options before too. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just like, we've gotten lazy to now say that the only option is therapy. Yeah. When sometimes the other option is for you to sit down for a second, yeah. shut the fuck up, yeah, and be like, what is, what am I really doing? Like, yeah. what is really wrong with me? But you know what? This <laughs> this comes from a moment of everybody just wanting to talk, yeah, and nobody and wants nobody to listen. listen. Yeah. And that's where we are as a society. Everybody wants to talk. Think about it. We have platforms and, and it's and it's almost, you know, a little contradictive to even say it because even on this platform, mm-hmm. we're talking. You know what I mean? But the difference is we're talking with a purpose. Yeah, that's where true. Where there are some platforms where they're just talking to talk. Talk. You know what I mean? You have things like Instagram and TikTok where everybody just wants to be heard and mm-hmm. nobody wants to listen and it is shaping our society in such an ugly way yeah such an ugly way if we listened more then we would know that being toxic in a relationship is just not a good thing yeah people that do that they it's almost like they want to be alone forever yeah and if that's what you want then do that but leave me out of it yeah yeah because that's <laughs> hey, not what i want you know, you know? And, and hear me when i say that yeah leave me out <laughs> <of it. laughs> don't call don't me call with your me, bullshit please. you know what i mean you yeah know, no, just, i hear you we have to listen to each other and i think that's something that has plagued us and i, I kind of thought that the pandemic would have helped that and it did in a certain way it but yeah, it also there was this rise of self-concern yeah because everybody was stuck in the house and everybody was trying to figure out what their lives were going to be. And it was all about self-care, which like, like I said, is great, but it shouldn't be at the detriment of somebody else. Yeah. So I thought that having that time apart from people would allow us to listen more. Yeah. And what it's done, it's just given a lot more people a voice. Yeah. And while that can be good in some instances, it's not good in all. Yeah. So, yeah. I could start preaching on here, but I'm not going to do that. No, it's okay. I mean, you can. If we need to pass an offering plate, we just listen. <laughs> Make sure you add your, uh, your your cash app to the, okay. the, the podcast description. Amen. Yes. Well, going back into the album, yes. what is your favorite song currently at the moment? <laughs> um, you're going to laugh, but... Yeah. Right now, mm-hmm. here you go. Okay. I'm not going to say why. Okay. Okay. All right. I know why. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not 
I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll just leave it there. Okay. Here you go as the favorite. Right okay. Now. All right. Yeah. Cool beans. Mm-hmm. Cool beans. We won't. I want to dig, but I'm not. Okay. So wait, wait, wait. I can say this because I know people have asked and people have been upset about the track listing and the order of the album. Right. With, with Here every, You Go being the being last, last song, song and everybody wants the yeah, truth. Yeah, yeah, the truth to end it. Yes. Here You Go is the open-endedness of the whole experience where I've been through all this stuff. The truth is the finality of everything where it's just kind of coming to the realization that this person just doesn't trust me and they should. Yeah. But Here You Go is leaving it open to the possibility of any relationship. Yeah. Not just with that person, but with anyone else. Yeah. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's funny because I was one of the people on the team that was like, listen, I don't know if Here You Go needs to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the truth really closes it out. But as I listened to the project, it started to make even more sense. And I'm happy that you made that executive decision. Thank you. Because <laughs> you know what it reminds me of, and you know how I always relate things to like Marvel movies and shit like that. It, mm-hmm. It's a subcredit. Yeah, it's a, it's a subcredit scene, after yep. credit scene. Yep. yep, yep, yep. It's definitely an after credit scene. Yep, exactly, exactly. Because you know you gotta look forward to the next movie. There yeah, might, there might be another movie. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's it's dope. another experiment. Okay, another experiment. <laughs> Hopefully not an experiment okay. though. This time it'll be the red pill. Okay, listen. Okay, not the blue one. Shit. Um, no, but that's good. I'm happy that even through whatever this relationship was and how it's documented, um, you still didn't give up on love. And let me let me just be clear. This person was not a horrible person. Right, right. I still have a lot of love and respect for this person. Right. Um, they know who they are. And... There were, like I said, there were things that I knew I had to work on mm-hmm. for me because before I do get into any other relationship, I want to make sure like I'm good. Yeah, yeah I've been seeing yeah. a lot of people post lately talking about like, would you date you? And mm. that's something that I have to ask myself mm. and make sure that I'm right now. I'm cool. Yeah, but there are things about me that if I was to date me, I'd be like, all right, he needs to change this. Yeah, this is this is a deal breaker for me, or yeah, yeah. this might be a problem in the future. Yeah, and I want to make sure that whoever does get me in the end gets mm-hmm. the best version of me. I know that's right. So, I that's think amazing. that's kind of what I've been getting from this project is like, love is still possible. Gotcha. If I'm ready and I present myself and I prepare myself for it, um. Like the conversation that we had earlier today yeah, about yeah, preparation. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I got to do that same thing too. And exactly. I think in a way, this album did prepare me for something else. Got you. So, got you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That just made, that made, <laughs> that was a little inside clarity mm-hmm. that just happened. Um, all right. So yeah. we are going to close this out. Um, I just have to mention that. I understand how everybody kept saying that good for you, mm-hmm. you know, is on their sex playlist off this project mm-hmm. because yeah, I get it. <laughs> I, even I, though, I still don't get it, but I understand. Yeah. Like, and I know the behind the scenes of that song, but it's just, it's still, it does something to your spirit and, and your soul. I mean, I'm moaning and making sex noises. At the no, end it's of the beyond song. that, though. Mm-hmm. It's beyond that. It's the lyrical content and it's the way that it feels. The one thing that I do want to point out that nobody's really commented on just yet that I want people to listen for is the sound 
of the projector reel yeah. at the beginning and the end of the song. Yeah. Because to me, that's the most important part. Yeah. You're you're invited in to watch this experiment of lovemaking and then take notes on either what I did wrong or right, what the other person did wrong or right, mm-hmm. what the expectations should or should not have been, and then come up with, you know, a dissertation of yeah. what you believe this was yeah, after yeah. the fact. So that's why I'm kind of like, I'm not mad that it's being added to a sex playlist because maybe that's how people have perceived it. Yeah. You know, and in maybe, their own experimentation of the song. Exactly. So, and maybe this will help people actually start a conversation with each other. Like, what yeah. do you like? What satisfies you? I know that that was a random thing of me throwing out that nah, song. No, but that's, that's about but vulnerability. Like, like, but yeah, exactly. Like, you know, that's a hard conversation to have sometimes with people like, you know, all right, yeah, we're about to go there, but what do you like? How do, how can I please you? And not even just that, but like everybody has a sense of nervousness before, yeah. especially when it's your first time with a person. Hell yeah. Like everybody's nervous about whether they're going to be able to perform, whether yeah. they're going to like it, whether they're going to do the right things that the other person likes, especially when they don't know. Right. And nine times out of 10, nobody has those conversations. Yeah. And I'm not saying like you should start your sex off like saying, well, do you like when I lift your leg this way? Yeah, yeah, right. do, do you like if I push here? Is that good? Right. Because right. I know that we're on this whole thing of consent and we're on this whole thing of making right, sure that, right, right. you know, we're, we're respectful, which definitely do that. Yeah. But there's still a certain type of spontaneity that kind of has to happen. Yeah. Because how do you really know, number one, if you're already planning what the sex is going to be like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it becomes something, yeah. Yeah, and nobody likes that. Yeah. Like, because then it's just, it's, it's like work. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, a scene. Yeah. So. You're, you're acting through the whole entire, yeah. all of the emotions. Um, my other favorite song, you already know this, is Life Support. Yes. I absolutely, that was like my go-to. When you showed me that song, I was like, this is amazing. Is there any insight that you can give our listeners about life support. Life support was written <laughs> after a quote unquote date at a pizza place in Brooklyn where everything was really cool between us. And then we started talking about the possibility of us being in a relationship. And he basically told me he was a flight risk that he runs from possibilities because he's afraid of what it's going to be. Um, he didn't want to settle and he's probably going to curse me out for saying this on, on this platform, but <laughs> he didn't want to settle for the first relationship that came across his 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 face. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I'm like, well, then you're going to feel this way for every relationship that comes across your face because it'll always be your first. Yeah. If it's not with me, it's going to be with somebody else. And if it's not yeah. with them, it'll be with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. And then you'll have this life of just not knowing if anything could have worked when you could have at least tried it with me. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of that conversation is in the song, just killing it before it even has a chance to start. So slow down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's let's pace ourselves. Yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. and I want to throw some shine to be with you because thank you. I love that song. It sounds like summer. It sounds like the moment of of first being um, just like just taken and smitten by somebody. And I love me personally. You know how I am. Yeah. I love songs like that. So. I just want to throw some love Thank to you. Be with you. Because Be With You did not get a lot of love. Okay. <laughs> and that's fine because I know that nobody wants to hear about love right now. It's fine. Right, right. But Be With You is actually a special song. That's the very first song that I wrote for the project. It's the very first song that they heard mm-hmm. that they liked. Mm-hmm. And it talked about our very first meeting. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, 
All right. So I know I did a pastor thing and I was just like, you know, um, we, three benediction. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but we're going to end this with a little game. Mm-hmm. Either or. All right. Okay. Okay. 10 questions. All right. Commercial studios or home studio? Home studio. Kwame or the love experiment? The love experiment. Outside or inside? Inside. <laughs> <laughs> time with friends or time with family? Oh, why would you say that? <laughs> time with friends because we turn up. But I love my family. I love my family. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Movies at home or movies at the theater? Movies at the theater. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm tired of movies at home. Honestly. That, that's a, that's a round sound yeah. of something special. Yeah. Um, it's just that you can't pause when you want to. Like... No, exactly. I can't get up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> okay. And then be able to come back and rewind what I missed. Or, okay. Yeah. Chicken tenders or chicken wings? Chicken tenders. Okay. Because I know you, you saw me eating listen. chicken wings <laughs> the other day. And I have grown. It's called growth. Listen, y'all. But I still prefer to eat things without bones. <laughs> I don't like the bones. When I tell y'all A Nat was tearing up that chicken wing, I have never seen him eat like that before. And nobody will ever see me do that ever again. <laughs> that was a mistake. I forgot the chicken wings came with whatever I ordered. And I was like, oh, I gotta eat these in front of people. Okay. You tore them things up. I did. <laughs> I did. Cheesecake or chocolate cake? Cheesecake. All right. Yes. Playlist or albums? Albums. Flights or road trips? Flights. Okay. Sci-fi or documentary? Ooh. Um, um, oh. Ooh. Okay. Right now, uh-huh. documentaries. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. That concludes. Wow. This cosmic. <laughs> Those were good. Okay. Mm-hmm. This cosmic radio. Uh, with a net. Yes. Is thank there you. anything you want to share with the audience before we sign off? No, thank you for having me on your show. I know we do this all the time. Right, right. Um, but we've never done it in this format, like right. an interview. So right. this is this is different. Yeah. Um, but not just get the love experiment. It's out right now. Please go to my website to get it. Okay. Anashforever.com slash music. Mm-hmm. Or just go to the website and look around. Everything's there. Um, but yeah, love experiment. Dope, dope. Thank you guys for joining us. Blessings and love and light to you all. Bye.